Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to look at something called courageous inspiration and really walk you through some of my favorite moments from Christian history that, to me, define Christian courage. And I feel like that is what we need today with all that is going on in the world as things grow darker and more ominous. We need to rise up in the strength of Christ and demonstrate true boldness that can only come from Him. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that registration is now open for all of our Ellerslie training programs in 2021. We have a one-week program. We have a couple of five-week programs that you can choose from, and this is just an amazing opportunity to come away from the distractions of daily life, be around so many like-minded believers, and pursue Jesus Christ, take a set-apart season to focus completely on Him. It's it's amazing. It's life-changing. It's really great for any season of of life in every age and families and couples and singles have all really tremendously benefited from this teaching in this program. So if you are interested in going deeper in your discipleship this year, please visit us at ellerslie.com. That's E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. We would love to see you and invest into your spiritual life in 2021. So let's dive into courageous inspiration. There is such a pressure today, and it's growing seemingly by the day, to keep silent about what we believe, to keep silent about the truth. And having to wear masks almost all of the time almost seems to be a symbol of what is happening in our culture spiritually, where we are really being pressured not to open our mouth, not to speak clearly. I don't know about you, but I've I've been in multiple conversations <laughs> through a mask where I can't understand understand what the other person is saying and vice versa. It's very hard to speak boldly and courageously about what you believe when your mouth is covered up all of the time. And really, that's just sort of a symbol. It's just sort of the tip of the iceberg of the silence that is, is creeping over the church and all of the ways that darkness is attempting to keep the truth silent. So I was thinking this week about some of the moments in history that have really impacted me throughout all of my growing up years and just freshly met meditating on these moments in people's lives where they made a choice to not remain silent, to stand up boldly and proclaim what they believed, to stand for the truth, to rise up in courage, even though it cost them greatly. And one of the first stories that I thought of was Esther on Kim. She was a young woman in Korea during the time that the Japanese were invading Korea. And there was such a pressure upon Christians to begin to worship the Japanese gods and goddesses. And she was a Christian. She taught at a Christian school. But there was a moment where she had to make a decision, am I going to bow down at this Japanese shrine or not? And she knew that choosing not to bow would mean very likely that she'd be imprisoned, tortured, and possibly killed. And yet she knew that God was calling her to rise up in courage to boldly stand with truth and with light. And so as she went up to the shrine with her students, she stood looking at the sky as everybody else bowed down to the Japanese sun god. And that led to six years of really miserable imprisonment, torture, almost coming close to to death a few times. And yet the testimony that she had, both during her time in prison and once she was released, the testimony that she had, the witness that she had, the impact and influence that she had on other Christians and non-Christians alike, because she was willing to stand with truth boldly, 
was absolutely incredible. And so her book is called If I Perish. There are so many incredibly inspiring stories and moments that she she shares in that book. And when she was released from prison and the war was over, the book that she wrote about her experience in choosing to rise up in courage and going through those six years of torture and imprisonment really became uh, an anchor for the church in Korea in the years following. I think about Corey Ten Boom, Corey and Betsy, who were caught harboring Jews during the Holocaust when the Nazis were occupying Holland, which is where they were from. And they were eventually taken to Germany to a concentration camp there. And Corey had managed to have a Bible with her for most of her imprisonment in Holland, but she was seeing how as she was entering the concentration camp, everything was being taken from the prisoners. They weren't allowed to take anything in with them. And she knew that she had to protect this Bible. She knew that she could face anything with this Bible, and she knew that they would be able to be a tremendous witness, she and her sister, if they had that Bible with them. So instead of being cowardly and kowtowing to what the German guards were commanding her to do, she actually snuck it into uh, the bathroom and like hid it behind a bench, um, you know, behind these this big pile of clothes, and smuggled it into the camp with her, knowing that if she was caught with it, she would very likely be killed. But just choosing to say, this is more important than even my life, having the truth with us and shining the light of God in this dark, dark place. And that, because she was courageous in bringing that Bible into the camp with her, and I really believe God miraculously protected her so that she could get that Bible into the camp, she was able to lead, she and her sister were able to lead so many women to Christ and shine such a a light in the midst of such a horrible and dark place. I think about Gladys Aylward, who went to China as a young woman to be a missionary. The obstacles that she faced, the amount of courage that she had to demonstrate just to get over there in the first place is truly extraordinary. But I think about a specific moment, a couple of moments from her life that stand out to me. She was called by the Mandarin of the village to intervene in a men's prison riot. So a riot at the men's prison where these men were killing each other and even the guards couldn't get control. Now, Gladys Elward was this short lady who was barely five feet tall, and she was thinking, you know, why are they calling me in here? That What am I going to do with all these crazed rioting men? And yet she walked in there in the strength, the courage, the power of God, told all the men to put their weapons down, and they obeyed her. So choosing to rise up and say, Lord, give me your strength and your courage. And as she told the story later, she said, it was not my strength. It was strength from God that was given to me for that moment. But as she yielded to that strength and chose courage over cowardice, she was able to transform that entire prison system. And most of those men ended up having having their physical needs met, but also giving their lives to Jesus Christ over the course of the next few years as she was able to minister to them. I think about Sabina Wormbrandt, who was with her husband, Richard, during the time when the communists were taking over their country in Romania, and there was a pastor's convention, and all the pastors were being pressured to speak the communist agenda from the pulpit. And she told her husband that he should get up and wipe the the shame from the face of Jesus. And he said, if I get up and speak, then they will probably kill me. You'll be without a husband. And she said, I would rather have a dead man for a husband than a coward. So she was choosing courage over cowardice for both herself 
and for her husband in that moment. And that gave, gave him the strength to rise up and speak truth in the midst of lies. And both of them suffered greatly in prison and in so many other ways as a result of that decision. And yet they strengthened the church in a way they never could have. They, they won people to Christ in a way they never could have without choosing God's courage in that moment. I think about Darlene Dibler, who was a young American missionary in New Guinea who was taken captive by the Japanese during the Second World War. Her husband was killed. She was just really, really struggling, going through disease and widowhood and being uh, imprisoned in a concentration camp. And it wasn't long after she found out that her husband had been killed that the Japanese commander was trying to speak to her about it and kind of telling her, you know, you need to just move on and get over it. This is just war. This is just what happens in war. And she could have kept silent in that moment because the Japanese were very cruel. And especially this particular commander, she had seen him almost beat a man to death in anger. And she really probably in the natural sense should have kept her mouth shut, but she asked permission to speak with this Japanese commander. And he gave her permission. And she shared the entire gospel message with him and said, this is the reason why I do not sorrow as one without hope, because I know where I'm going when I die. I know that I'll see my husband again. And then she challenged him to consider giving his life to Christ. And he was so moved and so impacted that he couldn't even speak. And it wasn't long after that that he became a Christian. And after the war, even though he was tried for war crimes and and all sorts of terrible things that he had to go through, he actually became a testimony for the gospel because she was willing to rise up with courage and speak truth when most people would have wanted to just keep their mouth shut. I think about Mary Slessor, who was a Scottish woman who went over to Africa in in a time when very few missionaries were willing to go to the interior of Africa and go where there was so much tribal violence and witchcraft and superstition. It was very dangerous. There were many, many diseases and a lot of physical danger. And she had a moment in a village where she went as a single lady, you know, this fiery redhead Scottish woman, and she went to this village and there was so much violence so much unnecessary, um, just senseless killing of people and superstition. She went into the village during a time when all these people were surrounding a woman who had in, who had made some kind of infraction of the tribal rules, and she was going to be scalded to death publicly with hot oil, boiling oil. And Mary Slessor saw this warrior dancing around her with all this war paint and feathers, and he looked terrifying. And he had this cauldron of oil, and he was getting closer and closer to this woman who was tied up on the ground. And Mary Slessor, at that moment, just chose to rise up in the courage of God and ran and stood between the woman and the warrior and locked eyes with him and refused to back down, even though he got so close to her face that she could feel the hot oil swishing in the ladle. He eventually was so overwhelmed by the courage that she was demonstrating that he threw down his ladle and stomped away. And all of the people of the village were shocked because they said, you know, we've never seen any courage that's greater than that of our tribal warriors. Maybe there's a power even greater than our superstition. And her courage, her godly demonstration of courage is what paved the way for the gospel to come into that village, which completely changed the entire region eventually. I think about Brother Andrew, who smuggled Bibles into closed countries for so many years. And there are so many moments in his book where he's crossing a border and his car is being searched or his luggage is being searched for Bibles, and he's illegally bringing Bibles to those who can't get Bibles any other way. And 
instead of backing off and being cowardly and being fearful, he just boldly goes in knowing that God will protect him and even witnessing to some of the people who would search his baggage and search his car. And he has one story after the next about choosing courage and how God was with him and carried the truth across those borders into closed countries. His story is truly incredible. You can read more about his life in a book called God's Smuggler. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. I think about Lillian Trasher, who was the first American woman to start uh, a Christian orphanage in Egypt. In fact, it was the first Christian orphanage ever in Egypt. And there was a moment when she first got to Egypt as a missionary, when she was a single young woman and she was living in a compound with several other missionaries where she had been asked to take in a sickly baby who was dying and the family was planning to throw this baby in the river if no one would take this baby. And so she took this baby in And she had only been in the country, I think it was just for a number of weeks. So she didn't really know the language. She didn't have contacts. She didn't uh, know how to sort of get by and live in this new country. She had always grown up in America. So what she chose to do was very courageous because the other missionaries asked her to leave the home. They said, go get rid of that baby or we're kicking you out basically because this baby was keeping them up all night and crying all the time. And they said, you know, we can't, we can't take care of sick children. We're not set up to do that. So she took this baby and just went out into the town and scraped the little money that she had together, rented a house, bought some milk for the baby and said, I'm going to start a Christian orphanage. That's what God has called me to do. No money, no connections, no one supporting her except for her sister who was just there temporarily supported her, but all these other missionaries against her. And yet because of that, God so blessed the work that she was doing that she ministered to thousands, rescued thousands of children who would have died otherwise. And widows, she took in widows. She had just this incredible, incredible ministry for the rest of her life. But it was that moment of decision to rise up in courage and not cast kowtow to the pressure to say, you know, this, just get the, get rid of this baby. You know, you can't handle this. We can't do this right now. She said, no, I know what God has called me to, and I'm not backing down. Harriet Tubman is another great example. After she escaped from from slavery and from oppression, she was finally free. She could have just looked out for herself, but the courage that it took to make a decision to go back to the South and rescue her family, rescue those in need, and constantly bring slaves back to freedom is just truly astounding. She chose courage rather than to protect her own comfort. And of course, we know the story of how influential she was in the whole battle of over slavery during the Civil War and so many slaves that were rescued and brought to freedom because of her courage. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India, she had so many moments of choosing courage in her missionary career, and it's hard to even go back and choose one, but I remember one in particular that stood out to me, and that was standing for a child, an Indian child, that if she chose to go to court and battle for this child, this child was in a a legal battle because she had inherited all this money. Amy Carmichael didn't want anything to do with her money. The child didn't want anything to do with her money, but the family was battling over this child. They, They cared nothing for the child. They just wanted the money, and Amy stood for her because this child had a hunger for the gospel and wanted to be with Amy and her band of Christian followers. And to fight for her could have meant very, she came very close to spending a number of years in prison. It could have meant the the demise of her entire ministry, uh, the removal of all the children she had already rescued, and her reputation being ruined and spending several years in an Indian jail. 
and yet she chose to stand boldly and courageously, and God intervened sort of at the last minute in that situation, and she didn't end up going to jail, and she was able to keep the child uh, and minister the gospel to her. But it was a very dramatic story that most of us would shrink back if we thought about walking through that, saying, Lord, I'm even willing to go to prison to stand on behalf of this child. I think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was in a, a German Christian man, a Christian pastor, during the time when Hitler was taking over his country, and he was seeing the infiltration into the church, and he was seeing kind of a lot of Christians who were just wanting to take the easy way out, and yet he decided to rise up and form what he called the Confessing Church. He stood in front of a room full of pastors. He talked about from the Word of God how what Hitler was doing was wrong and how we needed as the church to stand up and boldly confess the truth rather than kowtow to a lie. And some of those pastors joined with him, but the majority of them wanted nothing to do with him because they knew how dangerous his words were. And yet he sponsored the confessing church, those who actually rose up and said, we will not stand for our country to be swept over by darkness. And that decision actually cost him his life. But the the courage that he chose when he could have chose comfort is truly incredible and inspiring to me. Now, these are just a handful of stories through the years that I've read that have come back to me in recent weeks. And I've been freshly challenged to say, Lord, am I willing to rise up with that same kind of courage? Now, when we see what's going on, around us in the world today, uh, if you're like me, you can feel your own natural courage just sort of evaporating really, really quickly. It doesn't take very much to just feel that natural courage evaporating into thin air. That is why we have to tap into God's supernatural courage on our own, with our own strength, with our own human willpower, with our own you know, sort of pep talk, like rise up and be strong and be courageous, that is going to fall short in the face of what we're dealing with today. But when we yield and we say, Lord, do in and through me what only you can do, infuse me with your heavenly courage, and may I be bold to stand with truth and speak truth no matter the cost. That is a work that only God can do in us, and we have to be fully surrendered to him and know that it's a work of grace within our soul and tap into his heavenly courage and rather than just looking to our own devices, our own resources, our own personal human strength, because that will certainly fall short. I believe we need to make the decision in our hearts long before we're ever faced with that decision. Should I bow down at this shrine or should I cross the border with these illegal Bibles or should I walk boldly into that men's prison riot? Before we're ever faced with a decision like that, we have to resolve in our hearts, Lord, I stand with you. I stand with truth. I will yield to your cor- your courage. Even if I don't feel strong, you are strong when I am weak. And I make that choice to stand with you no matter the cost. And when we make that choice, God will be with us and he will infuse us with the courage that we need right at the moment that we need it. When Queen Esther came before the king with her bold and audacious request, the decision to give up her very life for her people was already made ahead of time. It says in Esther 4.16, I will go to the king even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. We need to have this same attitude, just as the saints in the book of Revelation, who, as it says in Revelation 12.11, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So let's ask God today for the grace to join the ranks of these brave men and women throughout history, the confessing church throughout the ages, even when other Christians around us may be choosing the easier path. 
Though you may feel small and weak and insignificant and even fearful at times, remember that His grace, His enabling power can shape you into a strong, courageous world changer, and it happens one step of obedience at a time. When Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the pastor in Germany, when he stood up and read his statement before the pastors in that living room that day when the Confessing Church was born, he never could have known at that moment that his stand for truth would be of such historical significance. When he first made his stand for truth, it was just in the living room of a friend's home with a handful of pastors, and yet we still read about it today. It was of great historical significance and changed so many people's lives. And all of the stories that I shared with you today, most of those men and women didn't realize at the time that what they were doing would shape history, and yet that is how God uses our steps of obedience oftentimes when we're willing to rise up and say, yes, Lord, give me your courage. You may not feel like your small steps of obedience and your little acts of courage every day could ever penetrate through the veil of darkness that is surrounding our nation, and our world right now, but we can never underestimate what God can do through one yielded vessel. Very likely, it is not going to be huge, dramatic declarations that will make the most lasting impact on this perverse generation, but the many courageous everyday steps of obedience to stand for truth, not to back down, to choose courage of those of us who want to be part of today's, quote, confessing church. Remember the words that God spoke to Paul when he found himself completely surrounded by evil and darkness and danger. God said, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you. That's in Acts 18, 9 through 10. The same God who commissioned Paul to stand and speak boldly in those harrowing circumstances is also urging us to do the same in these dangerous times. And even more exciting, the same God who was with Paul back then is the very same God who is with us today. Next time you feel like you really need that strength to boldly stand for truth, even if it's in those small everyday decisions that you have to make, remember this amazing promise. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's in Romans 8, 31. We have nothing to fear when we are on God's side. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to build a truly Christ-centered life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there, including an online mentoring program with hours and hours of powerful Bible studies and video teaching that can help you go deeper in your walk with God. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.